Okay, Lamaisa. So uh, it's been a while since we uh, learned in Yaakov together, but it's uh, it's a good thing. And Yaakov is uh, is a way to uh, be mekayim your quote on your chiv of learning pimis satayr. That's what Yaakov is. Not just lamish, just uh, start to introduce. So anyway, so perfect, perfect. Okay, so um, the sugi that we that we left off with that we were up to, um, I think it was before the Yom Tovim that we were learning in Yaakov together. So, again, what in Yaakov is, is a compilation of all the agaritas, of all the non-halachic gemars going throughout Shas. So they're put together. It's called the Sefer in Yaakov. And I mentioned this when we first started this series and this Limud, is that before the war, like in Europe, back in the day, every show had an Inyakov shear. There's always an Inyakov shear, so I don't think it should be any different over here now. So this is why we have an Inyakov shear. A little bit more complicated and with more memorakimus than it used to be in the Shtivlach uh, before the war, but you know, Akshar Dara. So we have to. Malan Bakaydash. Anyway, so the topic that we, that the first Sugyas and the first uh, number of Blot in Mesechas Brachas talk about and are discussing in terms of Agarata is the Inyan of the nighttime, how it's broken up into different sections, different watches. Those are the sugas that we were talking about. So, in the first Marmokim that you have, this is a quote from the Gemara Brachis, Daf Gimel Mebez. Okay, this is sort of just, uh, literally just a quote from the Gemara over there. It's a non-halacha Gemara. So, the Gemara is dealing with a contradiction in Psukim in terms of David HaMelech's schedule. What was David HaMelech's personal schedule? So, the Gemara says like this. The Gemara... The background of the Gemara is that, that it was quoting, the Gemara was dealing with a Pasuk and Tilim, which says, The Tavnach says that I get up, Hashem, I get up to praise you, to serve you, to begin my day by Chatzais, by midnight. Chatzais Laila. So the Gemara says like this, the Gemara Baruch is again, You're telling me, the Pasuk says, That Tavnach gets up at midnight? That's not true. We have other psukim in Tehillim that seem to indicate that David Melch got up before midnight, ready before midnight. It says the pasuk in Tehillim, I get up while it's still very, very early nighttime, and I daven to you and I serve you and I praise you and I serve the Rebbeinu Shlomo. So what does it mean? So basically, we have a contradiction in psukim. When did David Melch get up? On the one hand, the pasuk says, I get up at midnight. And another pasuk, I get up way early, even before midnight. So which one is it? So the Gemara gives three answers. Okay, answer number one: Am Rav Aishia. Rav Aishia said, Am Rav Acha, the name of Rav Acha, Hachik Amar. This is what this is how you deal with the contradiction. The, the answer is is that David Melech would by midnight he was definitely up. You can't say every single night he was up before midnight. So sometimes, when he had the strength and he had the energy, he would get up before midnight. But every night, he was up by midnight. So when the Pasuk says, I mean, that I get up by midnight, that's for sure. That's midnight is, 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 is the last snooze button, is, is by midnight. When the Pasuk says that I get up even before midnight, that means, I can't say that every single day, Davnach says, but uh, frequently and, and more often than not. But I can't say every single day. So said, that's Rav Aishia, um, Rav, in the name of Racha's answer. That it never happened that I went past midnight. Midnight was for sure. Sometimes before, hopefully, usually before midnight, but not always, but midnight for sure. That's the first deal, that's the first answer of the Gemara, Rav Aishia. 
Reb Zeir Omar, Reb Zeir says, here's the answer. Ad chatzos laylo hayim esnam nim kesos, vikan ve'elech hayim esgaber kari. A little bit similar to Ravayisha, but slightly different. Reb Zeir's answer is, is that by midnight, David Melech was like 100% awake with his full of energy, you know? That's when he had all of his coffee and he's good to go. When the Pasuk says, Kidam that I woke up even before midnight, it means he was awake, but he wasn't 100%, uh, you know, with all, of his, with all of his energy. In the language of the Gemara, he would be dozing off. So when he, he would, every single day, wake up or even before midnight. But, but when he woke up until midnight, he would sometimes be dozing off a little bit and not have his full energy. By midnight, that's when all of his kaychas came. That's how Rav Zeyra deals with the contradiction. That's the second answer. Rav Ashi, um, Rav Ashi gives a final answer. That Certainly, says Rav Ashi, the final answer is that Avada Davmel got up before midnight. But just from when he got up until midnight, he'll be learning. And from midnight and on, he'll be saying Tillam. He'll be davening to Hashem. So when the Pasuk says, I get up at midnight to daven to you, it doesn't mean that he was sleeping before. It means that this is when I begin my davening. I wake up early before midnight, that means to learn. That's how Rav Ashi deals with the answers. That's the, those are the three answers of the Gemara. Again, either, either midnight for sure he was up, before midnight sometimes yes, sometimes not. That was Rav Aishia. Rabbi Zeyra's answer was, before midnight, he wasn't with all of his energy. By midnight, he has all of his energy. And, Rab, and Rav Ashi, before midnight, he's learning. After midnight, he's davening. Those are the three answers of the Gemara. Okay. But at the end of the day, what the, Gemara, the, the, the basic thing that the Gemara is dealing with, the Gemara is working with, is that Davin Melch, something happened at midnight. Either that's when he woke up, that's when he started davening, whatever. Midnight was a demarcation point. So the Gemara continues. The David, the next second paragraph, for David me have a palga de lalia emas. David Melch, how did David Melch know when midnight is? How do you know exactly when midnight is? Hashta, Maisha Rabbein Eloi have a If Maisha didn't know when midnight was, then how could David know? What do you mean? When, why, how do I know that David Melch, that Maisha Rabbein didn't know when midnight is? Because it says in Pasuk by Imakis Bechairis that Maisha Rabbein tells Parai and all of Mitzrayim, Kichat says Laila and he gets his life Mitzrayim. He says in the name of Hashem that uh, approximately midnight time, around midnight, the Rabbani Shalom is going to send Makis Bukhairis. So the Gemara explains, my Kichatzais, what's my Shabbat saying? Like something like around Chatzais. If that's what Hashem told them, that doesn't make any sense. Hashem said to my Shabbat, I'll be there approximately midnight, we approximately. See, the Rabbani Shalom, the Rabbani Shalom doesn't know when he's going to be there. So certainly the Rabbani Shalom said Chatzais. But Hashem certainly said to Meishu Abenu, midnight is Makis Bukhairis. For but Meishu, when he's giving over the message, he can't say those words Chatzais. Because Meishu doesn't know exactly when Chatzais is. Meishu can't know when exactly Chatzais is. You know, he didn't have atomic clocks and so on. So Meishu Abenu has to say what, 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 would, what, what it means to him, which is approximately midnight. Al Masafka, which means that Meishu didn't know what time midnight is. The David Haviyoda. So Maisha doesn't know, but David does. So it says the Gemara like this. David Simon Havale, the answer is, David on his own might not have known. But David had a way of knowing when the midnight is. What was the simon? What was the, the way he knew? The Amr of Acha Barbizna, Amr of Shimon Chasidah. So Rav Acha, the son of Bizna, the name of Shimon Chasidah said, Kinar David. David HaMelech set up an alarm system. He had a, a kinar. We usually translate it as a harp. It's not really a harp. It's more like a flute. He had some sort of uh, wind instrument set up uh, on top of his bed. And the Kivan Shagiyah comes midnight. Baruch Tzifainis, and a northern wind would blow exactly by midnight. Veneshev is by, 
and would enter into the instrument of the kinor, and it would uh, and it would play. And that's when David Melch knew it's midnight, and he would get up and he would learn, and so on. Which is slight, by the way, the fact that that uh, that Ravacha Rabizna is saying now that he would learn at midnight is slightly different than what Ravashi said in the previous one. Ravashi said he would be learning until midnight, and then he would begin to daven. Okay, different traditions, I guess. Achol Murashachar says Rishon Chasida. He continues on. So David Melch again. This is how he knows what midnight is, and he continue, and he's learning until Murashachar until the sunrise. Kivan Shol Murashachar. Once sunrise comes, Nichnas Uchach Meisrael. That's like the Gemara gives us whole schedule. David Melch that the Chachamim would then come in to uh, to speak to him. Amrulai, and they would say to him, They would bring up uh, the issues of the day that, that needed to be taken care of on the docket, and Dov Melch would take care of it. So that's the Gemara. So says the Gemara again, Dov Melch knew what Moshe doesn't know. David knows. The answer is okay, he had this Indian of a Kinar. Okay, so first of all, there's a, a number of problems. First of all, so Moshe Bena couldn't do the Kinar trick. Right, so at the end of the day, you're still, it boils down to something that David knew that Moshe didn't. So, like, and the, and the, so you, you were, the, the, knowing exactly when midnight is is impossible for David Melch to know Moshe, when Moshe doesn't. This Kinar Indian, he does, he could use. Right, the whole thing needs an explanation. Okay, so let's, let, let, let's, let's, let's start from the following point. Why is it that Moshe didn't know when midnight is? Moshe Beinu, again, it's not just a matter of not having a clock. Moshe Beinu... B'chol was a Baal Rucha Kaidish, yeah? So Moshe Rabbeinu can, you know, he can read your forehead. So what's the Indian with Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't know what midnight is? What's this Indian of sort of the inability to discern and to have clarity when the first night, part of the night ends and when the first night, the second, then the second part of the night begins? That's what Chatzayis is, right? That's what midnight is. The transition from the first half to the second half. There's something about that moment that Moshe Rabbeinu can't be typhus, he can't grasp. So what, what is it, uh, what's so difficult about that, that time? Okay, so to begin to unravel this, we have to learn a little bit, we're going to learn some Aral, we're going to eventually see some rough Cook, but a little bit of a background first. In the Kisvi we find the following idea, that the difference between, the, their, their, uh, the difference between the first part of the night and the second part of the night is not just uh, random, okay, pre-midnight, post-midnight, there's inyanim going on. The, the, what we experience down here, the different times that we have down here through the day and through the night are reflective of things going on in Shemayim and different sides of reality that come to the forefront. In the Kisveri, we find the following idea is that the first part of the night before midnight, I mentioned this uh, recently, that the first part of the night is a time of strong Midas Hadin and strong... Like a, a, a heavy level of chayshech, whatever chayshech in terms of spiritual desensitivity, um, being stuck in a low place, very physical, not expansive, meichin dekatnas, an immature, you know, rigid, uh, not rigid, an immature, constricted spiritual consciousness. That's all the first part of the night. This is why. I mean, nowadays it's a little bit different, um, but historically, the first part of the night—that's when everyone was asleep. When activity wasn't really done the first part of the night, people would start getting up after midnight, you know, before sunrise and so on. But the first part of the night was like nothing doing. The first part of the night is reflective and symb- more than symbolic. It's reflective of, of a time which is extremely chayshechdik, extremely physical, extremely constricted, extremely small. <clears throat> the second part of the night is a complete shift. The second part of the night 
which is when Tikkun Chatzos begins, and historically that's really in Avodah Hashem, the beginning of the day. The second part of the night, that's Mamish Oiris, even though, again, you might go outside and it's still dark. But physically it's like that. But spiritually speaking, the second part of the night is when Moichin the Godless begins to come in, expansive consciousness, uh, an ability to, to be sensitive to Ruchnias, to get beyond the confines of just physical reality. It's a major shift, the first part of the night to the second part of the night. Now, if there's any person that was ever, that, that, it, that, that ever was, that was extremely spiritually inclined and spiritually sensitive and was um, far removed from smallness and darkness, that was Moshe Rabbein. So take a look at Maramukha number two. This is a piece from the Maharal. It's in Tferes Yisrael. The Maharal's not talking about our Gemara, but he's talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. And he says like this, it's in Tferes Yisrael, Perak Yud Beis. Says the Maharal, Ki madregas Moshe nivdol agamri menachaymer. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, from the very beginning of his life, was someone that was very much removed from the smallness and the constraints and the darkness of physical life. He was bechlal, always removed from that. What was his name, Pasuk, when he was born? You know, the Chazal say that the, that the whole house full, became full of light because of the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the opposite of darkness, right? It's the opposite of the first part of the night. So Moshe Rabbeinu is bechlal, you know, again, in the language of the Ma'aral, Moshe Rabbeinu always means tzura, that which is spiritually inclined, that which is expansive, that which is big. Not chaymer, not small, not physical, not tiny, not gashmi, not uh, impure. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu always represents. But this is very, very well known. That's what makes Moshe Rabbeinu unique, is that he's a human being that's kol kulay, completely inclined to that which is transcendent. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah was with absolute clarity, because that's who he was. This is Mamish, the Metzius of Moshe. The Moshe Rabbeinu was removed from physical life to, to, to a degree that's, that was unheard of before and after. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu, of all the Nevi'im, he was separated from his wife, because he was a completely tzuradik, he was completely spiritual. V'nikri Say it again. Before, this is before Mount Tari, right? Yeah, even before Mount Tari, Moshe Rabbeinu, listen, he didn't obviously reach the height of his greatness until later on, but up upon him, uh, he's still Moshe Rabbeinu, and he has this netiyah and this quality within him. Marmokka number three, the morale continues in Gvur Sashem, in the Sefer Gvur Sashem in Perak Tesvav. Um, another interesting Nakuda. Uh, you know, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, this, and, this, and this point goes back, forget before Harsinai, Mamash, when the moment he was born, the Gemara says, Chazal Rashi brings down in, in Chumash, that the, um, why did Paroi make this decree to throw all the babies into the river, right? Because he saw that in Stagninus, all the, the stargazers and so on, they saw that there's going to be a redeemer born for the Jewish people, but they couldn't know. They didn't know if it was a Jew or a non-Jew, right? If it was a Yisrael or for the Mitzrim. So the decree was all babies have to be uh, eliminated. So the Moral says, how could it be such a thing? That it, 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 listen, the, the stargazers, these uh, sorcerers, whatever, they were onto something. They were right. Moshe Rabbeinu was taka, was taka born. They were right. But why is it that they couldn't see if it was a yid or not? Couldn't tell if Moshe was a yid? So it says the moral amazing thing. He says, if, you, if we understand a little bit the madrig of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Meshu who nived on the Klal Yisrael B'mayol Shalai, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was so unique and so great that he was even, he was even different than other yidin. So of course he, he wasn't a, a, a Mitzri, but he was altogether a new category. So when the sorcerers 
see and they're picking up in this Indian that's called Maishar Venu, they can't tell who he is. Because for the same reason why he's not a Mitzri, because he's so beyond Mitzri, he's also beyond the regular Yisraelim. Technically he was in between the Mitzri anyway, so like, there's an extra level of Bilbo involved there. So that is also reflective of the fact that he's, he's, he's above both, he's beyond both, so he's like sort of mixed up in everything. Yeah. And to a certain degree, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't have any, any hishtatvas. He's not, uh, he's, not, he's not a partner with the rest of Kal Yisrael in their Milo. He's way beyond them. That's why they couldn't tell whether he was a Yid or from the nations of the world. Because his madrig was such is that he talked to never real shaykhis and a real, he was of his own category. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, because Moshe Rabbeinu is of someone who is almost altogether tzura, altogether spiritually inclined, <clears throat> this is why Moshe Rabbeinu, the moment of Chatzais, the Swarm explained, the moment of Chatzais is, is withheld from him. is because Chatzais means the ability, in, 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 order, in, order to, in order to have the moment of Chatzais, to know the moment of Chatzais, it means that you have to be able to know both sides of the field. You have to know and understand. You have to be firmly... You have to be someone that's first half of the night, Dick, and somehow then, despite that, be able to transition into the second part of the night, so to speak, and to begin to move out of that. Moshe Rabbeinu is, is Kulay Tzura, is Kulay Tzura. And because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu can't discern the moment of Chatzais, because the moment of Chatzais means the bridge to be able to traverse this world to the next world, back then. Moshe Benu is, uh, is Kaman, not part of the world. So this Indian of Chatzais is withheld from Moshe Benu. <coughs> now, in the writings of the Maral, we find an amazing thing. This Indian of Tzura, that Moshe Benu is connected to, of transcendence of spiritual sensitivity and altogether otherworldliness. The usual way... So how does one get there? How does one get there? So... Moshe Rabbeinu gets to that place because he's Bechlal, not part of this world. Moshe Rabbeinu was, not, was never sort of planted in this world to begin with. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't start, so to speak, from the first half of the night and then somehow made his way to a place that's higher. He was Bechlal, always above it. But in the Rains of the Moral, we find an amazing thing. And this is what, we, what the Sarak Tashem pick up on very, very much, is that in the Rains of the Moral, we find that there is something even within this physical world that actually is an entrance into that place of 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 mamish transcendence, mamish elikus, without having to become detached from the world, and that is focusing your attention and focusing your your energy on Kalal Yisrael. There's individuals, and then there's the collective whole. In the writings of the morale, we find a very, very important principle, which is, is that in, in, whenever you have something that's called a klal, a klal, even if it's a physical entity, it's a physical community, it's a physical nation, but whenever you're dealing with something which is klal, klal always is an entrance into that which is completely transcendent, into that which is completely divine. Whenever you have something that's klaldic, Take a look in Marmokka number four. This is from the Maral, again in Gur Aryeh, in, in his commentary to, to Chumash, to Pirish Rashi, in Sefer Vamidbar. The Maral is making a point that 
you see that when the Rabbanu Shalom gave us the Torah, the Rabbanu Shalom set up the Jewish people. We, uh, Chazal say this, and makes a point of it later on, is that the Jewish people were set up in camps. Well, by, by Har Sinai, we saw the angels being encamped in, in different, the, the golem in different camps, and the Jewish people had that strong yearning to be set up in, the, in such a way as well. The Moral is discussing this. What is, what is the, the organization of the Jewish people? Why is that so connected to Maimon Har Sinai? The Moral says like this, Ki the Torah that the Rabbi Shalom gave us through Moshe Rabbeinu, Seder as Yisrael Beseder Kloli. The Torah had to be given to us in such a way where we were already a nation, and that nation was organized. That nation was Mesudr. It was already put together and arranged as a nation. In other words, the Maral is also dealing with a famous question, which is, why wasn't Torah given to Avram Avinu? You know, Avram Avinu was a big tzaddik, and the Shvatim, these are big tzaddikim. So the Rabbi Shalom had to wait. It was 600,000 Jews. And 600,000 Jews are not just, not just a bunch of 600,000 individuals bumping into each other. The 600,000 individuals that are arranged and are put together that sort of are, you know, sort of reorienting themselves to think more, na- more nationhood-like. Why is that? Why is the Torah only given to them? Says the morale, because the Torah is transcendence. The Torah is alakus. Torah is divine. More than, it's more than just just of divine origin. Like I was speaking about Monday night, Torah is mamish elokus, it's divinity in, in, uh, in, 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 in Torah form. Every word of Torah is mamish the Rabbanu Shalom himself. It's all Shem Sekhlesh, it's all divine names. That's mamish what Torah is. In order to, and that's why the Torah is so deeply connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's because Moshe Rabbeinu, as, we, as the Moral already said, Moshe Rabbeinu was Kulei Tzur, Moshe Rabbeinu is transcendent, Moshe Rabbeinu is is initial akim. He's a divine. He's a, he's a he's a godly person. So the Torah is appropriate with Moshe Rabbeinu. But what's amazing is is the Torah's, the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu is given to the Jewish people only when we're a people. Why? Says the Moral. This is the aside. Is that there is something with of planet Earth that this Indian in planet Earth is a window into that place of transcendence without having to be like a Moshe Rabbeinu of fasting and separating from your wife and, and being altogether otherworldly. There's something in the world that is at the same time otherworldly. And what is that? The Klal. The collective whole. The nation as a whole. Individuals? Not like that. But when there is a consciousness of the Klal of the nation that automatically is something that is a window into transcendence. We find this, the morale says, again, just to see the words inside, the Torah that was given to us through Moshe Rabbeinu, the Rabbani Shalom organized the Jewish people to be in a organized, uh, cohesive unit, as a klal. Says the morale, because whenever you're dealing with klal, with something that's, you know, again, inclusive and a larger entity. It's automatically something that that entity is automatically something that's already defined as an, as a spiritual entity, even though they're physical, and even though it's made of people that are you know mamish mamish down here. But the inyan of a klal, the inyan of of klal Yisrael is by its very definition. Something that's surdik. It's already Moshe Rabbeinu. Chazal say about Moshe Rabbeinu that he's shakal keneged shishim riba. Moshe equals 600,000. He equals 600,000. What does it mean he equals 600,000? So it, it, there's many different ways to interpret that, but, but based on what we're learning right now, one way to interpret it is, who's Moshe? Moshe Rabbeinu means, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu means 
otherworldliness. But and there is a partner to that. There's another, there's a there's an there's a there's another Maishra Bain. What is that? Six hundred thousand yin. And when six hundred thousand yin get together, they could be talking about their pranasa. But automatically when you have a yichud of the klal and a metzius of klal, that's already by its very definition transcendence. That's already, that's already tzura, that's elokos. There's a letter from the Balatanya. Balatanya says an amazing thing. It's a letter from Balatanya. He writes that if we only knew, the Balatanya says that when you have ten yidin get together, the Balatanya says even if they're not learning and they're not davening, they're not shmuzing. Not uh, anything bad, chaz v'shalom, but it's not, they're, they're shmuzing. Balatanya says... The level of shechina that resides amongst ten yidin that are stam shmuzing is so intense that if a malach went into that into that area, it would become nullified in the light of the shechina, cease to exist. Yeah, ten yidin. Baltani writes this ten yidin. That's why in that, that's a letter that he wrote. He was giving a musr to a lot of the communities. He was saying he was talking about dafka between minchamayrev. Let's say there's a break between minchamayrev, and he heard that the, the, a lot of the shuls there was a break between minchamayrev, and no one's giving a shir, no one's learning. So this is where he writes in his letter. You know what it means, 10 yidin sitting together? You know what type of kedusha there is over there? So, yeah, you know, chaparain, learn something, you know, uh, fill, the, fill the time between Minchamayrev with a, with a shir, Mishnayis, or something like that. So he was talking about chutzlars, he was talking about yidin, uh, you know, in, 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 in chutzlars, in Europe, over there. And so this is, so, so in other words, th- that's an amazing thing. Because that's what the morale is telling us, is that whenever you have something, a minion, a minion is a microcosm of Kal Yisrael. That's why, that's, that's why a minion is significant in halacha is because, like, what, why is a minion significant for davening? Davening is corresponding to karbonet tziba, right? Communal sacrifices. Sacrifices are made on behalf of the entire Jewish people. So really, the way to daven shachris properly would be if all of Kali Yisrael coming together to daven because that's the, car, the carbon that shachris is replacing, so to speak, was a sacrifice on behalf of Kali Yisrael. No, that's, uh, un, you know, difficult to gather together all of Kali Yisrael every single morning. So we have a concept of a minion. And a minion is a microcosm of all of Kali Yisrael. And, so, and that's what Baal was saying. It's whenever you have this kibbutz of Kali Yisrael, and even a, a smaller or more condensed version of it called a minion, the intensity of Kedusha is so amazing is that even a malach couldn't survive. So what we're seeing over here is an amazing Kiddush, which is, is that when we talk about this madrega of Moshe Rabbeinu, this madrega of transcendence of Elikus, there are two ways to get there. There's a way to get there that demands, that, that, that demands complete disconnection from this world to the point of where there's really no doorway to that place from here. And that's, where, that's the level, of, that's the tzura that Moshe Rabbeinu was. But there's another way to get to that space, which actually equals Maisha Rabbeinu, but it's actually found on planet Earth and within planet Earth, and that's called connecting to the Klal. That's called being Klal-oriented. So let's go back to the story of the Gemara. The Gemara said that, that David HaMelech, there was a, the, the Gemara had a debate. David HaMelech, when did he get up? Before midnight, after midnight, uh, you know, by midnight, and so on. The Gemara gave three answers, right? You remember Vaishya, uh, was it uh, Ruzeir and Ravashi? So take a look at Marmokat number five. This is a piece from Rav Kook. It's Mamash, uh, the, the, you know, the 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 the, 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 the that we have from Rav Kook on Agadat on all of Shas. It's called Einayot. It's Mamash, beautiful, beautiful stuff. So in Einayot, over there on this Gemara, 
So he says the following thing. He's talking about what's this Indian of Davna Melch's schedule before midnight, after by midnight. What's the, so he says like this, near. So Rav Kook says like this. It seems, the Chatzais Laila Harishan, the first part of the night, who's Mam Nuchabateva, that's when people are asleep, right? That's when people, uh, they come home from work, sunset, right? Midnight already, they begin their day, right? The next day, but between sunset and midnight, that's when people have off, that's when they're resting. So it says Rav Kook like this, Davra Melch also had a work day. And Davra Melch's work day started at midnight. What was Davra's job? Davra Melch's job was call Yisrael. That was his job, to take care of the call. That was his Indian. Not necessarily to take care of their Ruchnius always, their Gashmius too. But his Indian was being Isaac and Tzarchit Tzibur. That's what Davra Melch's Indian was. Davra Melch, who took his job very seriously, it means that the moment the work day begins, Every single moment of the workday until the end of the day, he's involved in Tzarech Yitzibur. Al came, therefore. You know, Dovna Melech also is a, is a person. Dovna Melech is also an individual. So Dovna Melech has to cut out of his day some time to take care of his own personal inyanim. Al came, Baruch Elasis La'atzmai, Rak Bizman Haroi Lamanucha. So what Dovna Melech did, he didn't want to sacrifice the time where, you know, where he's on the clock for himself. So that he can't do. The time that everyone has off from work and everyone is not working anyway, that's when he would take care of his own personal needs. In other words, before midnight. So it says for Kuk like this, the way to think of David's schedule is once midnight comes, now he's on the clock, now he's being Isaac B'Tzarchi Tzibur. Before midnight, that's when he's taking care of his personal needs. Now what are David Mel's personal needs? So it says for Kuk like this, the um, Therefore, says Rav Kook, this is the this is the, the side that the Gemara is working with, which is that the main avoid that the Davar Melch did l'tzarcha klal for klal Yisrael Amar chatzais laila. That was from midnight on. His own personal needs kidamti b'neshev. Then he would he would he would wake up earlier before midnight to take care of his own personal tzarach. Now, says Rav Kook, hachilukim shavein avedas l'tzarcha Yisrael. There are three differences between what between the way Davar Melch would engage in Tzarchi Tzibur versus how he would engage in his own personal Tzarchim. Three differences. Ha'achas. The first difference, says Rav Kook, he, Hakvias, is consistency. In other words, Shetzarchi Yisrael, when, when, when Davar Melch was on the clock, when he shifted to you know, Mel, I'm the king now, I have to take care of the Jewish people. There's no day off. There's no oversleeping. There's no possibility of taking, taking it easy. Kvias. Chayk v'layavar, mamish, consistent. Kemosh Omar Kasev, as the Pasuk says, La says, Mishpat Avda, Mishpat Ama Yisrael, Devar Yom B'Yomai. That the, the Melech has responsibility to take care of the people. Devar Yom B'Yomai. Every single day, no vacations, no breaks, nothing. So one major shift that's going to be, it says, as opposed to his own personal tzrochim, okay, so, you know, you take it easy once in a while, you take a vacation day for your own personal tzrochim. So it says Rav Kook, one major shift between Davra Melech pre-midnight and post-midnight is that even the important things that Davra Melech is doing pre-midnight, because it's for himself, okay, sometimes you press news. But when it's already midnight already, that's Sarchit Sibur, that's Klai Yisrael's Indian, that's Dvar Yoyim B'Yoyim. So that's one chilik between before midnight and after midnight. That corresponds to the first shita of Rav Yishia. Remember, again, the contradiction. When did Rav wake up? 
Chatzais or before? Said Rav Aishia. The answer was, Chatzais, he was for sure up every single day. Most of the time he was up even before, but not always. Why is that? Was because he was just extra tired. The answer is, is because before midnight, that was the time where Davinel took care of his own personal yanam. Okay, so he would usually be up for that, but sometimes he needed a day off. But by Chatzais, that's when his workday started. What does workday mean? It means Klai Yisrael in Yanam. Klai Yisrael in Yanam. Klai Yisrael in Yanam, there's no day off. That's the first chilek between the mindset of David when he's taking care of his own personal in Yanam versus Klai Yisrael. Second, base. The second chilek is Hachizik. Chizik means not just in terms of consistency or in quantity of how many days, how, what, the, keeping a streak going, also in intensity. When it comes to uh, which is what, when midnight came, some kol mayanav, all of the were put into it. And he wouldn't allow any of his physical limitations to stop him. He was not only dedicated in time to every single day, but almost superhuman strength to be dedicated to Klal Yisrael. However, when it, came, when it comes to his own personal yonim, which is pre-midnight, some days you have more energy, some days you have less energy. Says Rav Kook, this corresponds to the second terrace of the Gemara. What was the second answer of the Gemara? That before midnight, he would be dozing off a little bit, but after midnight, star. Why? Again, what's the, why that transition? The answer is because by midnight, all the kaiches are in, no, hold, no holding back. Before midnight, my own personal tzorachim, okay, so sometimes you have energies, sometimes you're not a little bit more, 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 more sleepy. It goes back and forth. Tzorachit tzibur is every single day consistently, no oversleeping, and, and you're fully engaged when you're awake as well. That's the second chilek. Hagimel, third chilek, Iker Avedase Baraklal, the main job, spiritually speaking, that Dovr Melch was involved in, in terms of Klal Yisrael, is Hayashir's Vesishbachas, is establishing Tehillim. So in other words, Dovr Melch, Dovr Melch, in his personal avoid, in his personal growth, might have been into many, many things. But in terms of his contribution to Klal Yisrael, in terms of Yiddishkeit, his contribution was Tehillim. So when Dovr Melch gets on the clock, and you know, Midnight, now it's Tzarchei Tzibur. So Tzarchei Tzibur is taking care of their parnasa, it's taking care of their physical needs. And even spiritually speaking, Dodmelch's main job in terms of Tzarchei Tzibur is establishing Tehillim. And that's what Ravashi says. Midnight comes, Shir Sushishbachis. Now, even if he personally wants to learn the daf, or he personally wants to, uh, you know, learn Medrash, whatever it is, Tzarchei Tzibur. Right now, my job is to establish Tehillim. And that's what Dodmelch does. However, Dovnach's personal learning, that was something he did for himself. That was his, that was his personal union. That's for his own personal neshama, his own personal growth, his own personal chizik, and he's learning. And even all the learning that he did in terms of Klal Yisrael, was in order to allow him to have the strength to say tell him. No, to say tell him, you have to... He has to be a Tamachachim too, right? So, so he needs to be a Tamachachim to say to establish Telm as part of Tanakh. But all the learning that he does, as far as Klaiso is concerned, is all oriented around his job, which is to establish Telm. And that's the third answer, or Ravashi, that pre midnight he's learning, after midnight he's being Isaac in Shir Sushishbachis, he's davening. In other words, what Rav Kook beautifully in this Gemara 
And by the way, let's just, I guess we could just finish it off like this. Al-Kain, last paragraph. Pirish Kolecha Mahane Meroi, again going back. This is why those three Amaroyim, Ravoshia, uh, Rabzeira, and Ravashi, uh, each one of them, Chelek Echad Mehevdol Shebein Avedase Bechatzi Laila Rishon, each one is bringing out a, a difference between Davra Melech pre-midnight to post-midnight. And the Chilak is, again, pre-midnight means Shaisa Bizman HaMenucha, where it's a time where no one's working. Where when Davra Melech is, is involved in something, he's doing something privately and personally. And so that comes with sometimes taking a day off. It comes with being limited with your energy sometimes. And it also, your personal need might be to learn. And so those are the unique qualities of pre-midnight, Ravashia, Ravzeira, and Ravashi. L'chatzi l'ayla sheni, but when it comes to the second part of the night, which is midnight, sh'az bazman ha'avoyde karis. Now Adon Melchat is on the job, and he's being oisli b'tzor ha'itzibor, v'yomasa rakli na'klal, then he's completely dedicated to that. And that comes with, number one, consistency, like Ravashia said. It comes with, with, with superhuman strength, like Ravzeira said not falling asleep like a horse, you know. And finally, a complete focus on establishing Tillim, which is Rav Zeres point, uh, that was the, the Klal work of Dovr Melch spiritually as well. Okay, Sachako. Beautifully, where Rav Kook just, what just brought, to the, brought to us is, is that by Dovr Melch, pre-mid and post-midnight, um, by midnight, what was Dovr Melch being Isaac in? Tzorchit Now we saw from the morale just a few minutes ago, that when it comes to Tzarchei Tzibur, even if you're still part of the world, and you're dealing with Klai Yisrael, and you're, you're thinking about what they need, and you're, and you're, and you're trying to, to uh, even establish Tehillim for the people, your mind is, is involved in something which is of this world, which is Klai Yisrael. Your mind is not completely lost in some heavenly space. You're thinking about Kali Yisrael and you're dedicated to their needs and you're trying to figure out what they need and what could I do to help and so on. But said the morale, that itself, despite the fact that it's part of this world, is what? Is a window into that, into that place of transcendence. In other words, it's therefore Davka Davra Melech that he holds the key to understand Chatzais. Because again, what does Chatzais mean? Chatzais means the ability to go from the first part of the night to the second part of the night. Well, I said from the beginning, the first part of the night means smallness. It means extremely physical, limited mindset. The second part of the night means transcendence. It means something unbelievably larger than, than life. And usually, there's no... How do you bridge that? How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you find the second part of the night from within the first part of the night? How do you find the higher world from this world? You can't. Moshe Rabbeinu, therefore Moshe Rabbeinu lives in the higher world and he doesn't see how you get there from here. So Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know midnight. But, be, but David Melch does. So why? One second. By David HaMelech, David HaMelech has midnight. You know why? Because by David HaMelech, David HaMelech, he, he discovers that transcendence of Moshe Rabbeinu, which means after midnight, he discovers it from being Isaac with Tzarek Yitzibur, which is something of this world. So in other words, Moshe, Davna Melech is able to get to that place of Moichin, that place of clarity, that place of truth, not from this being disconnected from the world, Adarabah, by being Isaac B'Tzarech Yitzibur, which is so much a part of the world, that's how he gets to in a higher place. So by Davna Melech, the point of midnight is very, very clear. Because pre-midnight and post-midnight, in other words, it's on two levels. 
pre-minite and post-minite spiritually means from smallness, from darkness to light. That's what pre-minite and post-minite means. Uh, and usually, uh, you, you, uh, we, we couldn't understand, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't understand how a person discovers light from, um, from amid that darkness. But the answer is, Dovr Melch can, because Dovr Melch, Dovr Melch's, what, what was he doing at midnight? He was being Isaac B'Tzarch Yitzibor. And to be Isaac B'Tzarch Yitzibor means that you're still dealing with things of this world, which is, which is physical, but yet at the same time it is a window into the transcendence. It's a window into that place of light. And so Dov Davka is able to understand the secret and the key of how a person finds a higher world from within this world, which is what midnight means. To know exactly how you move from darkness into light without having to... to uh, the, the, the darkness itself, the, the things of this world are themselves a key in order to get to that higher space. And this is exactly the 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 aside the Mila, what we see from this Gemara is the unbelievable Mila of being Isaac of thinking about Kla Yisrael. And that's what we're all doing right now, you know, these days. It's, it's we're thinking about Kla Yisrael. And that already is Mamish Bikinas Maisha Rabbeinu. That that it's a way of of becoming Maisha Rabbeinu Dik without having to fast and without having to become angelic like that. Just simply thinking about Kla Yisrael and seeing what can I do to help Kla Yisrael. And just being on your mind, that already means that you're thinking about things of this world, but at the same time, this, things of this world, that thing of this world, which is called Kala Yisrael, is itself a way into, that, that itself is a way into that higher space of mamish, otherworldliness. And that's, uh, that's what means you could become Moshe Rabbeinu without having to, to become disconnected like Moshe Rabbeinu was. And this is, again, going back, this is the secret of Dovra Melech, that Dovra Melech knew to a certain degree what Moshe Rabbeinu didn't. The Moshe, the Dovr was able to discover this trick, this key of moving, um, moving casually and and comfortably from this world into the next, from pre midnight to post midnight, by discovering this trick of being Isaac B'tzarchet Sibur. And being Isaac B'tzarchet Sibur is of this world, but it's also not of this world. And that's that's why we talk about you know by by Musaf before right, before Musaf right. All the brachas of this world. That's all. That's the guy. The guy in his own personal life is uh, maybe not the best guy in the world. Because being already means that your mamish not uh, not physical. Mamish tzuras. Mamish ruchni. That's the the biggest brach in the world. So Hashem should bless us. We should talk to to find the eitzes to become connected to Moshe Rabbeinu to become transcendent to go to the tzibur and Yimali Hashem kol mishal sleveinu taiva.